how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. In the Netflix hit, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, a teenage girl's secret love letters are exposed, which wreaks havoc on her life. Based on the YA novel by Jenny Han, the film stars Lana Condor, Noah Centineo, and Israel Brizard. Director Susan Johnson describes her process for the new film, in addition to some insight from her directorial debut, Carrie Pilby, which came out in 2016. In this exclusive interview, Johnson describes putting on blinders to become a director despite often hearing the word no, finding a way to tell the stories that speak to you, and what it means to be an old school director within the zeitgeist of Netflix. Um, I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, where it's 125 degrees in the daytime in the summer. So every summer was spent in a movie theater, literally watching movie after movie. And that made me want to be a filmmaker very early on. And then um, when I was in college, a big studio movie came through my college to shoot there. So I sort of dropped out of all of my classes and um, became a casting intern and worked 20 hours a day and sort of decided I wanted to join the circus. So that was my background. What was what was that like? Was that I mean it sounds like something that would be considered risky where your was your family supportive or what was your kind of what kind of led you? Oh heck no. <laughs> no, my father's an attorney, my grandfathers are both attorneys, my great grandfathers were attorneys, so they're pretty sure I'm still gonna go to law school, but I'm definitely not going to law school. Um no, it was a, you know, um, I think to direct, just regardless of gender, you have to really put the blinders on and just um, get used to the word no and, and ignore it. And, um, you know, if anything, my parents maybe not saying, oh, we think you should be a filmmaker made me want it even more. So uh, it probably helped me have stamina because it's a, it's a marathon <laughs> for sure. What else was kind of inspiring you? I understand you're getting past, you know, hearing no and rejection, but are you like carrying stories that you want to write and tell in the future, or are you just hoping to get anything made, at least like at first, when you first got started? No, I was pretty picky. Uh, you know, my first movie, I, I produced my first movie because I went to school with the writer-director of it, and we were both directing fellows, and I loved it so much, um, and I knew he wanted to direct it. So I just had to be part of it. When that when a story speaks to you, you just sort of 
uh, find any way you can to tell it. And so I became a producer almost by accident, um, but also loved that process of collaborating with the director. And that was a big part of why I produced for so many years before I directed. But also, I don't love the process of writing. I mean, I, I like it, but there are writers out there that are brilliant, and there are directors out there that are brilliant, and they're not usually the same person. So, I mean, there are some really great writer-directors, don't get me wrong, but I like, and I, I like old-school directing, which is interpreting what I'm reading on the page and how it's making me feel, and that's a big part of my process. So, um, you know, it took me a long time to find a piece of material, and, it, and in the end, I had to option a book myself with my producing partner at the time um, and, and raise the money through Kickstarter to, to hire a writer, and we really started from the ground up. So that was also young adult, and then this is my second young adult. And, you know, they were back-to-back within the same year or so, um, I was already in that headspace for young adult, which I love. So it sounds like you're describing, was that Carrie Pilby that came out in 2016? Yeah. So how did you, uh, did you just contact the author or the, you know, the house that, that produced the book or how, how did you kind of get those rights? And then, uh, if you want to tell us just a generic amount, like what does that look like as far as what can people might expect to pay to buy the rights to a book? Well, on that movie, we were very lucky because the writer had waited several years, much like Jenny, waited several years to see her movie become a film. So, um, yeah, she'll be happy for me to tell you. We we actually offered her, I think, $250. We was like, we're just going to straighten this together ourselves um, for the first couple years and then $500 for the following year. And and we raised $85,000 on Kickstarter to hire a writer and lawyers to put everything together, right, and a casting director. And um, so that's how we started. And, you know, authors, for the most part, are, you know, they'll, they'll be well served by a film being made into a book, but it's, there's a lot of books in the world that don't, don't make it that far that have been developed into films. So it's pretty rare still. So, so I assume you, you know, read the book and had conversations with her, but how did you kind of develop that trust to where she was comfortable with you being the one to make the film? Well, in this case, on this movie, they had already developed the movie before I read it. So I was really um, just a hired director. Um, but I, I made a point to find her. We found each other online, and I made a point to have some conversations with her in pre-production to make sure she'd read the script and was signing off on everything because I, I just think it's so critical for that person to be involved at that stage. And then she came out to set a few times, which was great. We talked a lot about wardrobe and art and the color scheme and, and you know, it's, uh, you know, just what Laura Jean's journey was for her because she actually did write those letters, and that is sort of her life story. Uh, Jenny's just such a delightful um, person, and, and you could really feel Laura Jean in her, so that was really invaluable to have access to her. And there's a great cast for that film, too. Was there any issues as far as, like, you know, with these new forms of Kickstarter and, and doing your own thing? Was there any issues as far as, like, you know, getting Nathan Lane on the project or, or Gabriel Byrne or some of these actors like that? On, the, on Carrie Pilby, um, I, think we, I think we did okay on that movie early on because uh, I think the material was really, really strong. We had a, two really great screenwriters on that movie, and... And um, 
<clears throat> actually the first person ever signed on to that movie was Eddie Izzard, <laughs> and we got pushed schedule-wise several times, and and um, and then Nathan Lane actually came on board very late in the game, and. Uh, that helped us form the rest of the cast sort of around him. And Belle had said yes, and everybody wants to work with Belle because <laughs> she's so talented. So in that case, it was pretty different from this movie. Um, we were putting it together piece by piece. On, on To All the Boys, it was the traditional casting process. You sort of decide, you know, you narrow it down to maybe five actors for each role. And then we did chemistry reads for a couple of days here in L.A., and it was very evident who the three were for Peter and uh, Josh and Laura Jean. So between these two stories, you know, the obvious similarities are a female protagonist based on YA novels, but what kind of attracted you to this newest story? What was the, what was the piece that made you want to be the director? Well, I think they're, I think they're both similar and that they are both t- talking about facing your fears, which I think is a really common, you know, thing in my life, at least. I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot to be, <laughs> a lot to be fearful of these days. And, um, and I think both of these girls are outside their comfort zone, and, and uh, I, I like exploring stories that help people um, sort of reach out and be their best person, you know, by the end. They have to learn a little bit of a lesson about themselves and the people they've chosen to surround themselves with. So I like that in Laura Jean. I love that she um, doesn't go live under a rock after, after her deepest uh, sentiments are sent out around the world. Uh, or case the world is high school, and um, I, I just like I like um, I've always loved movies where the leads are intelligent and articulate and um, maybe older than their years. That's always been interesting to me, and I feel because of Laura Jean's journey and having lost her mother and and you know sort of being such a family person, I thought that that was. Um, maybe not the usual teenage relationship with your family. So I like that part of it. There seems like kind of a, you know, a big responsibility for making movies that are kind of meant for, you know, impressionable uh, young people. What were your kind of your thoughts on that? What, what would you, what kind of morals or virtues possibly did you want to try and get into this story? I just like honesty. I think, I know she's, you know, putting on a whole story for the rest of the world while she and Peter are figuring things out, but I just feel like honesty is really important, and certainly with Carrie, she always spoke her mind, and Laura Jean isn't afraid to to be honest with all three of those boys once they are all five, four, is it four letters, five letters? I can't remember, um, but she's honest with all of them once they have to, you know, show up. Um, she... I think that's important, and I think everything doesn't have to be an angst, about angst, but I also think we have to just be more inclusive. I I did a film festival recently where um, a transgender woman came up to me after seeing Carrie Pilby and saying, you know, this movie struck a chord with her. She had tears in her eyes. She was an amazing, beautiful person. And, and I thought, wow, if I've reached, you know, a 12-year-old in Iowa and this transgender beautiful woman in Finland. I've done I've done my job, you know. So I'm hopeful for this movie that we will reach as wide of an audience and I think we will. So in terms of being a director uh, for either one of these films, what were some of if you can think of an example, was there a difficulty possibly on set and how did you kind of overcome that problem? 
The only difficulty for us was the hot tub scene because it was 100 degrees in Vancouver that day, and we're supposed to be in an icy, snowy lodge somewhere, and we didn't really have the budget or time schedule to, to go up into the mountains above Vancouver. Plus, there wouldn't have been much snow inside. So we had to bring in truckloads of snow for that. And then we had to build that hot tub on the back side of a house and just tent it and throw in as much air conditioning as we could. The water was cold. We put dry ice in there for the steam. Like, it was the hottest day on record for that day last summer. And um, so that was pretty challenging. And then emotionally, you know, I just wanted, we wanted to make sure we got the scene right where she um, is confronted by Peter on the track at school and saying it's never going to happen like that was a that was a good comedic moment but also an important piece to see Lana as Laura Jean have that realization that her life is about to change in a big way so is there any difference in making a film that is more set for people who are going to watch on Netflix as far as like they might watch on their phone or at home uh, more likely than going to the theater to see is there anything different you did or or you think about when you're making a movie like that this movie we shot very traditionally with anamorphic lenses, which is right for a theater, knowing that that brought to it a, an elevated production value. Um, we knew we were going to debut on Netflix, but we wanted the film to look bigger, and I think we accomplished that. But the idea of 170 countries seeing the movie on the same day is so powerful. I think there's an amazing zeitgeist to, like, the internet blowing up over your film uh, in the same 24-hour period. So we're super excited about that, and, and, and that, that, that world, that space belongs to Netflix exclusively, so that's exciting. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter where you also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook, How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.